Hello, welcome to the Rogue O'Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham. My name is Jake Hampton. And we've got another awesome special guest today, one of our uh, wonderful donors. So I'll let him introduce himself or say his name. Of course. It's Josh Wiltbank. However, I usually go by Yoshi, especially back in the days when I knew Chad. So <laughs> Yoshi. Is yes. I'm going to keep calling is. him Yoshi, but you know, you can find him uh, on, on Twitter as Josh, right? It says Josh. Or does it say Yoshi on it's Twitter? A, so it says Josh. Wilton. But then your but then the handle is at Shore Yoshi. At Shore Yoshi. 127. 127. There we so, go. Awesome. And yes. we're, we are grateful to have him. In fact, we're doing, doing this episode around something that uh, Yoshi was uh, passionate about or knew a little bit of something about, which is our favorite scores by the great composer Hans Zimmer, who is a favorite, I gathered. Yes. Of Yoshi's, right? Yeah. Very much. So, so we've been doing a little research, and, and Jake and I were already thinking about doing a podcast in the future of our, our like three, five favorite scores ever. So this was kind of, at least I know for me, like a good introduction to kind of start thinking about some of that stuff, because um, Hans Zimmer is, is one who a lot of people like a lot. Um, so we'll jump into that in a minute. First, we're going we're gonna to start with the movies that we have recently seen, and so I'm going to let Jake go first. Right. If that's okay, if you're ready to go. Yeah. Always. Jake will talk a little bit about some of the movies he's recently seen, if they were good, if you should see them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got my Letterboxd diary all pulled up. <laughs> keeps track of what I've watched in what order. Um, I'll just do very quick descriptions, because I've seen a lot of stuff, and I've pretty much uh, loved all the movies I'm going to mention. Um, I happened to catch, in an obscure chance, uh, this movie, A Prayer Before Dawn, which like randomly came to an AMC uh, right where I live. Uh, it was an indie movie that I don't think went anywhere else in the state, not even to uh, Salt Lake. We live in Utah. Um, yeah. Anyway, A24 movie. Yay, always, right? Yes, A24. Uh, but about a guy, gosh, if I can remember where it was, I think Thailand, um, in a prison there. And uh, an, um, not, American, not an American guy. He was British. Um, but uh, just about his experiences there. I didn't know till the movie was over that it was based on a memoir, but it was really interestingly done. Uh, I don't see a lot of prison movies, I guess, but it felt really unique to me. Uh, and it was also about him fighting, um, like being a... Do you guys know Muay Thai? What that is? It's a type of fighting. Yeah. So it was about that, um, which I didn't know anything about going in. Uh, but I learned, and it was a really... I, I love movies that show me like a window into a world I don't know anything about, so yeah. it was really cool. Sure. Um, That's cool. I think cool it's on it like... Is it at the Riverwoods? Yeah. No way. But uh, I think it's on digital stuff now anyway, so you can look it up if you want. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, good quality rom-com. Uh, and like giving a voice to uh Asian leads which is something that's been tragically missing in uh a lot of our cinema so it was great um da, 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 da. Uh, I'll mention Sharp Objects just because I'm HBO gonna... shout out yeah <laughs> HBO shout out I mean, it's a mini series so it's kind of a movie in a way uh but also it was directed by Jean-Marc Vallée um anyway it ended since the last time we recorded and uh the ending shocked me I had not read the book uh, but like, if John Mark Ballet just wants to do this forever, because he also did Big Little Lies uh -huh. for HBO. If he just wants to adapt novels into HBO series, like you're I'm here down. for this. I'm down. Yeah. Uh, let's focus on that. So I, I mean, I've I loved uh, Dallas Buyers Club as well. So I, I'm down to see anything he does. But uh, definitely check out Sharp Objects if you have access to HBO and have not uh, seen it. It's 
It's, nice. it's really something. Okay, that's Gillian Flynn who wrote... Um, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. And wrote the upcoming Widows, which Hans Zimmer did the score Wait, for. Wait, I didn't know she wrote that. Yeah, what? with Steve McQueen. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, and Amy Adams stars in Sharp Objects, and she's as amazing as ever. She's one of my faves. Uh, okay, We the Animals, um, indie movie currently playing. Uh, this guy. Every time. <laughs> I'm, I'm Indie Central. I'm the Indie Correspondent. Uh, and now we go to our Indie Correspondent. Jake, are you there? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's basically just about these three uh, Latino kids growing up in uh, circumstances that are not ideal. Um, if you know who Raul Castillo is, he stars as their dad. Well, not stars, but he is their dad in the movie. Uh, I really like him as an actor. I, I hope he has a long career ahead of him. Uh, he's mostly done smaller roles until now. Do you know him? I don't. Name? Okay. No. He was he was probably best known for Looking, uh, the HBO oh, series. Yeah. But I'm, he has I since he has since gotten bigger and bigger in roles. Oh, cool. Uh, he's he's climbing. It's good. Um, nice. Anyway, really moving movie about uh, poverty and uh, some other things that are kind of spoilers, so I won't go into detail about them. Um, it's definitely heavy, but if you like like to be moved by tales about. Uh, children trying to overcome their circumstances, then I highly recommend it. Nice. Uh, okay, last one, or no, that was the last one. That's all. That's all I've seen in theaters slash on HBO. <laughs> I mean, no Vince day. way too busy to really watch anything. Oh yeah. yeah, now we now we come on. Oh anyway, all right, Yoshi, what have, what have you seen recently, and what have you thought? All right, perfect. Okay, so inspired by the podcast, I finally watched a movie that I hadn't seen for a long time, that I was upset at myself, that I hadn't seen, and I actually kept secret from Chad and Jake until this moment <laughs> so they could laugh at me, maybe just gaze in horror that I haven't seen it yet. But recently, because I heard the podcast and I saw it on Netflix, I watched The Sixth Sense. Oh, Ooh, no way! You've never seen it? Exactly. Oh, wow. See, I thought the same thing, and so... When you guys were doing the Shyamalan podcast, I heard about it, and I already knew that I wanted to watch it. I went home that night, and it was on Netflix, so I said, okay. Nice. <laughs> That's it. I know I have to watch it Because you were probably pretty young when it came out, or not, or not, not alive. Board, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> no, it was 99. Yeah. 99. So, so, I was, so you I was were, little, you were, yeah, what, three, two, three, three years yeah. old, <laughs> something like that. So definitely, I had never seen it before. And so the sad thing was um, that I did already know the ending. Mm sadly due to another movie shout out to 51st dates which i love but uh, oh, hate because of this it, moment right. where she said oh i won't say it so yeah well, no yes. spoilers no, I know but yes <laughs> and so but i remember that you guys had talked about it i don't remember if it was about this or about another movie where some people were like oh but i knew the ending this was a movie where that even though i knew the ending it was amazing and it was still i hesitate to say shocking because i knew it was there but it was still so impactful and just nice. seeing everything that had happened throughout the movie to be able to let me see it and maybe it was almost like watching a second time even though it was just the first time right. because I knew the ending seeing the things throughout the movie that led up to the conclusion which right. was really amazing I loved it that's cool excellent great yeah. acting cinematography it was perfect oh, really I'm glad good. you got to see it so yes very happy I saw it of course yeah um and then I also today actually in the theater I went to go see the movie Searching so if you haven't you know, seen anything about Searching, it came out just a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so the movie is all, I mean, shot. It's all displayed. The movie's all displayed on a computer. Right. Or, I mean, sometimes in the movie they cut to like a different electronic device, like a phone or something like that. But it's basically all on a computer, which 
sounds like it could be really annoying and it could turn a lot of people off. I was going to go see a movie with my wife and I told her about this movie and she said, oh no, that sounds annoying. <laughs> and I feel like that's like what a lot of people could say. They're like, the entire movie is on a computer screen. They're like, that's got to be the worst, you know? But I'm like, no, like, it's like got really good reviews. It's like 93% on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Yeah. I'm like, I really want to see it. And so we actually ended up deciding to go see White Boy Rick. But then her sister called her and she had to go off and do something. So I decided to go and see Search <laughs> So I went and I saw it and I was not disappointed at all. I'll try to go fast because we know we don't want, you know, a ton. But um, it was really good. The beginning, um, without any real spoilers, is very, it's like a very happy, you know, like sort of musical, even though it's just on, you know, screen. the screen. It's very, the beginning scene how they do it is very like the beginning of the movie up where it's just like this happy where oh, they have the music yeah. along that sort of you know starts out the movie because it takes place in current day but it starts out you know the very first few shots are like that windows 97 screen you know with the blue and you got your profiles on the <laughs> right there it's just it's really good and so it progresses and it goes you know through technology and some stuff happens but then the main part of the movie is about um how because it's about man and originally his wife and then his daughter and it's about how his daughter gets a, um, abducted she disappears they don't know what's happening he's right. trying to figure out right throughout the movie and so you go throughout it and so I thought it really weird to say hey like this movie's about someone getting abducted how are you going to do that just computer using computer screen, screens yeah. like you know people you know watch like crime shows or anything they're out investigating doing anything like that how will you do that through just a computer screen but the way it was done I thought it was just marvelous Nice. The way that they had it done, it was very interesting. I thought, like, how are they going to do this? And I just thought it was super intuitive. I think it's a very smart the way that they did it. And there was the plot itself would make for an amazing movie just by itself. And just the fact that it was put into the circumstances, I was blown away. I, there was twists, you know, that, like, kept me on my, you know, the edge of my seat. Didn't know what was happening, like, until the very end. It was very good. I just loved it. I wrote... Oh, I was just going to ask if the ending was satisfying. Like, whatever it is. The ending... Because I've always been... When I saw the trailer, I was always like, oh, can we... Will we be satisfied by finding out whatever happened to... You know, like, I'm always worried about that. About, oh, it's so clever. But then, (laughs) you know, does the... Exactly. The true ending was satisfying. Okay, good. When you get to the very end, which... I don't want to say too much. Sure, sure, sure. Of course. Just when you get to the end... It's definitely worth it. And oh, good, good. there were times where I was, you know, there wasn't a lot of people in the theater. It was a small theater. There's probably five other people in there with me. There were times that I had my hands over my mouth, you know, just in shock, just waiting to see what would happen. Just, and That's I mean, awesome. shout out to John Cho. I mean, an Asian lead in the show. It was an amazing performance awesome. by him. I mean, because most of the and show. most of it's him, right? It's him, yeah, yeah. Most of the show. Because they have, you know, a detective and some other people who come into it, people he's trying to contact about his daughter, but he is basically the show that's cool and so he does it i was really impressed by the director the director his name is um anish uh please forgive me i know you're listening obviously so <laughs> anish chaganti he's done almost nothing i looked him up on imdb he used to work for google and he would shoot like google commercials for them oh, like no. that was his job so this is like his first like real big movie and that's i was cool. so impressed blown away emotional i know that i during a couple parts of the movie i teared up so i'm sure if you go you'll just oh yeah ball, i'll ball the of whole course, time yeah. Yeah. it was i just would 
without, I hate when people overhype movies and like, then I like it. And I'm like, oh, it's okay because people overhype it. I don't want to overhype it, but just go see it. Nice. It's really good. Still in theaters, just do it. Trust That's me. awesome. It'll be worth it. Thank you. And I, I have a couple quick ones. I, uh, if you listen to our podcast on the regular, Jake and Marcus Marinos, who was uh, a guest on our last episode, um, already talked about Black Klansman. I just wanted to add that I liked it. Um, I thought that Adam Driver and John David Washington were great. John David Washington sounds so much like his father, um, Denzel, that it threw me off sometimes. In fact, after the movie, Bethany and I had already seen, my wife and I had already seen uh, trailers, but I played the trailer for her without her looking at it, and she was like, oh my gosh, because we never realized before until we watched the movie. That's a side note. Um, <laughs> interesting, you guys talked about the end. I thought the end was less... It seemed like so obvious to connect it to what he connected it to. Again, we're, we always try to be a little bit careful, but at the end of the movie, they do make make a connection to modern events. Mm-hmm. And you guys had said, you know, that you were a little bit, I, I don't know, I think I liked it and stuff. And I had the idea that it was going to be a much more tenuous connection. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, like, you know, and, and someone maybe that, you know, shares my political leanings without going into too many specifics I think would just be nodding their head the whole time but I, I also feel like someone could go into that movie and also be nodding their head even if they didn't share that like oh right of course this is connecting to now um, and I wanted to say some of the strongest moments for me were moments where uh, the main character who goes undercover uh, in the KKK even though he's black but then he has to send like another police officer played by Adam Driver who's white um, in when they have to actually appear in the flesh, when both of them had to say really terrible things about black people, those parts really worked well in a way where you're just like horrified. There's a specific scene where Adam Driver says some particularly vulgar things. And in order to, it's doing saying those vulgar things is what gets him in with these people. And it's like this really cognitive dissonant, cognitively dissonant moment where you're just like oh because you you're like bristling and it's also supposed to be kind of darkly funny i was gonna say it's played it a little comedically right? it is yes yeah. definitely mm-hmm. and it's just all of it is it it works but it also makes you feel a little bit wrong yeah like you're supposed to feel wrong when that stuff's happening so yeah it's definitely definitely worth seeing and then uh if you follow the instagram i i finally caught up to a fantastic woman which was the best foreign film oscar winner just at the last oscars it's from well, it's Chilean, um, about a transgender woman and some of the uh, like discrimination and difficulty she deals with um, when her boyfriend dies very early in the movie. I know that's a spoiler, but he dies really early, and usually you find it in the in the uh, summaries. Uh, but really, visually well done, like very well shot, great performance um, by the main woman, and and very relevant to now. Um, I had no, I, I was very like, sometimes foreign films seem like they win, like there are some better ones and for some reason someone wins because it's easier or it's, or it's, um, it's less controversial. And I'm not saying this one was controversial, but it really earned its Oscar. So that was cool. And I rewatched Isle of Dogs and I just want to say you should see that movie because it's one of my favorites of the year. Have we um, talked about it meaning so far? We talked about it long, oh, we probably haven't. Because we weren't on the podcast. Yeah. Are you a big fan? <laughs> I am. Yeah, I loved it too. Yes, yes. Awesome. It is one of my very favorites of the year so far. 
and we watched it again. My daughter loves it, my youngest daughter. I mean, and there's some like semi-violent stuff, uh, uh, you know, but it's very Wes Anderson. I, I felt like it didn't, it's super Wes Anderson, but it wasn't as Wes Anderson as I normally expect, and I think I kind of liked that. <laughs> like it zigged at, uh, when I thought it was gonna zag sometimes, yeah. based on what normally happens in my mind in Wes Anderson movies. But it's, it has that great look that the fantastic, uh, that fantastic Mr. Fox had. Um, but I think even they've made some improvements and, and just the animation is great. Plus, uh, s some solid voice work. Edward Norton, man, I think he should voice, be a voice in every Wes Anderson movie or appear in every Wes Anderson movie because something about his voice seems to match the quirkiness oh, yeah. of, of the stories. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so that was great. And if you like animated movies and you like Wes Anderson movies, then you should definitely see it. All right, let's dive in. We want to talk very first about what we look for in a score. Okay, this is a pretty specific ranking because we're dealing with Hans Zimmer's career. At the same time, he's done so many scores and tons of iconic scores. Um, and we'll get to him in a minute as far as why he's famous right before we count down our, our favorites. But we want to talk about what we look for in a score. So, J Jake, you have, do you have some thoughts on that? Like what, yeah. what kind of sticks out to you? Because we're about to say our favorites. So what are the things that kind of really informed I would choose this one over this one for you. Right. Uh, a pretty essential ingredient is something that makes me feel, which seems obvious, but like just something that usually I'm going to want some feelings of like sadness or like <laughs> uh, <laughs> just something that's going to tug at the heartstrings. Because if I just say something that makes me feel, that also applies to like making me feel really tense, which is great. But in my very favorite scores, I'm usually looking for an emotional jam. Uh, that I can listen to for years oh, to come. New name of this podcast episode. <laughs> I wish that everyone could just see like the slow head bob yeah. like he did with the emotional jam. It would make it. You'll have to just ask him if you see him. Yeah, if you see Jake. Be like, so I heard you did a head bob. Okay, okay sorry. Uh, so yeah, um, that's what I... Excuse me. I'm, I have a chip stuck in my throat right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so there's that. Um, I'm also pretty into like unique instrumentation, which will show pretty clearly in the, the five that I chose for Hans Zimmer. Um, but I definitely am of the belief that there is kind of a generic like blockbuster soundtrack sound that's out there. Um, not to throw too much shade, but I feel like most Marvel movies have this kind of like generic sounding, you know, it's like good, it's like an orchestra, it's a symphony, it's whatever. They have their sounds, they use uh, their themes. But uh, I'm like, much more impressed when you get scores like um, like the Social Network score blew me away the first time because of how different it was by being purely electronic and even specifically the the electronic sounds they use in that score are are just really unique. So like anything that does something different with instrumentation, I'm like I'm totally there. Nice. And what about you, Yoshi? Do you want did you want to add anything? Definitely. I mean, definitely add something. But of course. Like, what, what for you? <laughs> no. What for you uh, sticks out? Uh, you know that like this score I love because. Yes, of course. So I definitely agree with Jake when there's that sort of different something that goes on with the instrumentality. If it works with the movie and it improves it and it sort of just adds something, like it was fairly said, it makes it so much better. Um, I would say that's something that I look for just because you know when I was in high school, obviously I was involved in band and everything like that. So even though I do look for that sort of different thing, I am a lover of just sort of those big symphony moments. I'm not, I mean, I do look at the list that I've come up with and a lot of them are just very 
blockbuster-esque and so I feel that I'm like yeah there is like you know just like a lot of like big symphony but I feel like there's a difference between you know those big symphony moments that move it and that have like a wide range of you know tone and a volume versus just like sort of like he mentioned yeah. like the Marvel where it's literally just loud all the time big music you know just for the entire movie so yeah, yeah. I feel like there's some differences there like I said the functionality with the film is huge um, when I was sort of preparing for it I was thinking a little bit about it doesn't just have to be you know thrilling and big all the time but it needs to match the movie the tone that the movie's going and even provide insight is sort yeah. of something that I was thinking into something that's happened or something that's just happened to help you feel a moment like if there's a big moment or something that's happening the score is right there and it, you know, provides something. So something that I had thought of was um, the movie Psycho, obviously, um, was that I had written down here in my notes to remember about, obviously, the iconic scene in the shower, just the score there is something that, you know, if you've seen it, you don't forget, you know, yeah, you yeah. can remember it. And that's a big part of it. It matches the moment and it sort of makes it even more intense just with that shrill sound that is there. So even, not even with music, just with, you know, the sounds that go along in the score yeah, yeah. with the music. I have more to say about that, but it's with one of the sure, movies sure. I picked, so uh, we'll get on a little later. But no, you're good. I definitely like it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I wanted to add, too, because we, you know, we shared some of our notes before, not of our rankings, because we always want that to be a surprise, but um, when Yoshi was talking about, yeah, it's got it's to match with film, and I agree 100%. A lot of my favorite scores, though, they, they can I also feel that when I'm not watching the movie as well? Because, yeah, it's got to match. Yeah, it's got to match up. And I know most of the things we listen to, like, excuse me, um, they were made to pair with a visual. That's what they were made for. That's how the cues were set up, when it gets loud, when it stays soft. But I love it to evoke those emotions when I can just listen at my computer. Or even I have, I'm working on something and I have like one, one earbud in and I'm still feeling some of those emotions. That's pretty yeah. powerful to me. Um, and... And I, 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 I wanted to make sure to mention, like, you know, Jake and Yoshi have some musical background. I don't have any. So um, if I feel those feelings, even if I can't explain it, and you'll hear me say things, say, like, well, it adds this or that. And I don't know how. You know, I can't, I can't speak to Hans Zimmer's, uh, the way he blends notes or what melody he creates or, you know, but sometimes you're just like, I can feel that curiosity or I can feel that sadness or I can feel that elation. And that's always blown my mind about composers. Oh yeah, I need you to feel this thing. Like we do a thing in my film lit class actually where I play part of a score and I don't show them what's going on and they create, and they'll, they'll come up with the same thing sometimes. That blows my mind. Um, and yes, I, I, I do think that the score shouldn't overpower things and that's kind of what we were talking about with Marvel. And I know we keep talking about Marvel, it's a good example. It is, it's a good example that Jake brought up. Like it does its job. But it never feels, it feels like anybody could have written it who has those skills. Right. I could not have written it. But someone who is a composer, like, it's like, oh yeah, this is the generic it's score. generic it gets, tension. It's loud it's generic, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Whatever emotion And you're not like, you know, you don't go see the new Marvel movie and you walk out and you're like, oh, that score though. Yeah, you rarely, wow. you rarely leave thinking about that. The Black Panther score was a little bit better, I thought, because there, there were some cultural elements included yes, totally. that I thought were fun. Um, just on a side note. Uh, but yeah, and then if it can add insight, like you said, if there's something, you know, the actors are getting some help from the music, but it's like, oh gosh, like that's, I feel right there, a, a kind of a cool, quirky thing. That's always fun too. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, briefly, Hans Zimmer, and you guys can jump in in a minute because I, I 
took a lot of this from Wikipedia. He's won one Oscar for the score of The Lion King in 1995. He did a lot of the Pirates of the Caribbean series, not the first one, because it was his, his crony, his buddy, Klaus Bedelt. They've done some scores together. In fact, my final cut was a score he did with Klaus Bedelt. That's really good, but didn't quite make my top five. He did Interstellar, Gladiator, Inception, all the Dark Knight movies. One of the things that seemed like he was famous for from what I read is that he does collaborate a lot which you don't see as often with scores. It does happen, of course, mm -hmm. even in the social network, right? Yeah. It's collaboration. And then he works as a mentor, mentor a ton. Like people come to him and he'll kind of help them. Um, and they'll like apprentice even or do some music with him on some. And he kind of helps them to then spread their wings and do their own thing, which is very cool. Um, and he's won two Golden Globes and four Grammys. And as far as some of the movies, like I'm just going to do a list here. Um, he did the Kung Fu Panda movies. Um, he did the Netflix movie, The Little Prince. He did The Amazing Spider-Man 2, 12 Years a Slave. Um, I, I will mean, he, say he kind of doesn't discriminate as far as like, as you go through, I mean, you're reading the names anyway, but I, I did well, notice I was there were some like, yeah. uh, some surprises, I guess for me, yeah. where I'm like, why did oh, for take sure. the time to do that Megamind. one? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. There's like Madagascar. Is Madagascar, one Escape was... to Africa, even exactly. number two. Frost Nixon. I mean, I'm not going to name them all, obviously. There's uh, Shark Tale, Thunderbirds. He did the Thunderbirds score. The Ring, Black Hawk Down, another Ridley Scott. Um, Tears of the Sun, Pearl Harbor. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Thin Red Line, uh, Preacher's Wife, and Broken Arrow. Some John Woo there at the beginning, Crimson Tide. Any that you guys wanted to make sure to, I mean, we'll name some later, obviously. Obviously, yes. But There's any others that you didn't name, that I didn't name, that you want? Well, and, and Yoshi made sure to write down, it's coming out, he's doing the new Lion King, and he's doing the new Wonder Woman. Yeah, so I thought that was definitely interesting that they're bringing him back for, for the, the new Lion yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, Shout out Donald Glover. Yeah, Donald Glover. Community, which we'd always talk about with China yeah, class. Yeah, that was awesome. But I'm very excited for that. And then Wonder Woman 1984, which yeah. super excited for, super excited very to see cool. what he does with the music, because mm -hmm. he'll be put in that same sort of role that you're put in for a superhero movie. That we're talking movie. about with the superhero yeah, movie, yeah. Will, he, will we listen way. to that and think like, ooh, Hans, you're killing it? Or we'll be like, oh, he did the generic thing, which is fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is fine, you know? And he's doing Widows, which we mentioned but earlier. I feel like he does. I'm really excited because I feel like he does a good job at breaking the mold. And obviously, yeah. we'll get into some stuff Especially later, some sure. of those blockbusters. Yeah. Exactly. Some of the blockbusters. But <laughs> one probably I wanted to mention, uh, well, that sadly did not make my list, was right. one of the last cuts was Man of Steel. Oh, that, yeah. I don't love Speaking the of DC, movie. Right? It's okay. You yes. know, it's all good. But... Sure. The score is, for me, definitely is like the highlight nice. of the film. Is that awesome. they said, "Hey, we're gonna make this super epic, you know, movie." And even though Chris Rowland didn't direct it, he's like, "Hey, Hans, like I'm yeah. producing this, yeah. like help us Can out, buddy." Help us out? Yeah. And so they made an okay movie, but he <laughs> went ahead and he made a rocking score, which I was very sad did not end up on my list. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Sadly, it had to happen. Were you adding something, Jake? I feel like you were jumping in, and then I, I oh, went off. No. no? Oh, well. Okay. uh... No, it was just what you mean about like his uh yeah history. His. Well, I was just kind of thinking about how he's like I feel like he's uh kind of like a prestige name as far as composers go, right? Definitely. Like, and so I was just kind of listening for like when he became that, which and I I don't know. What do you guys think? Like Batman Begins, That's maybe? A good question. Well, so like here's the thing is that before that I looked at I was looking at his movies obviously before The Lion King came out. And obviously yeah, he Lion did win the King, Oscar for Lion King, he did win the which Oscar didn't make King. him a household name, yeah. but 
Yeah. Obviously, it's a big step for a composer. Exactly. And so I think it's big, obviously, and it sort of catapulted him because after that, it was 1994, right, or 1995 that that happened. He sort of started getting some bigger things. Before that, there are some movies that we've seen and that are good, but nothing, you know, big, sort of like what he gets, you know, commissioned to do these days. Nowadays. So I think that sort of catapulted him in, yeah. and he's now just more of that. Yeah. Persona that but at the same time, like, he did The Boss Baby last year, right? Which no, is like... I know. Not... I almost said it, but then I was really? like, I'm, not, I'm just, just reading right now. <laughs> no, I didn't like... almost rank it, but I almost said it on the list. Yeah. And I don't remember the, the music from that movie. I'm sure it's fine, but, like, it's not a movie that... Like, they didn't need to get Hans Zimmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they could have got any no-name, and no one would have cared probably what the score was for that movie. I but also, he said yes. But he like said Like, you're yes. talking about it. He yeah. doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we could paint either way we want to here. We could be like, come on, Hans. Or we say, like, oh, that's cool that he's just kind of sure. willing to, like, yeah, let me try it. Let me try my hand at this or whatever. I remember I listened... I've seen Rain Man many times. It's a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that score, which didn't almost make my list. And it, mostly because of the era in which he wrote it. Like, 80s scores are just not my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. No offense if you have an 80s score of his on there. They're just not one of my highlights because of the way that those scores sounded. And I, I kind of went into the Rain Man one to like, oh yeah, I've seen this. I don't remember it sticking out to me. And like, let me listen to it a little bit. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's very 80s and not... You know, and that was early. That was obviously early in his career, but a huge movie. And it's not that it's bad or anything, but maybe he just wants to spread out and try all the different yeah. things. And, and what you said just now kind of reminds me of, I mean, in a bigger, this will inform a little bit just how I picked my list, but I try to like really think about uh, the entire score and like not base my like favorites for this list or whatever. Uh, on I try not to base it on like one theme that I like, right? That's like you know, resonant for like you. one particular maybe track that's like at a climax uh, of the movie, and I love that. But the rest I couldn't tell you like what the score does. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I try to pick. I tried for this list to pick scores that like I I generally like the entire thing. Um, but I'll I'll get into that more yeah. individual movies. Definitely, and I definitely agree with that, which is why I wanted to mention two songs really quick of two movies that didn't make my list. Because I felt that the score overall might have been lacking a little bit, but these two songs are incredible. Uh-huh. The first one is Chevaliers de Sangreal, which is from The Da Vinci Code. It's the main theme of The Da Vinci Code, and it's just amazing. I mean, I listened to that song, and it's definitely one of my favorite things that he's ever written. Oh, that's awesome. Ever. I, like, I listened to the rest of it, and I do like it. You know, it yeah, was yeah. one that I ended up, you know, was on, you know, something I was considering, and I ended up cutting. But that song itself is amazing. And then also the song Uguay Ascends from Kung Fu Panda. I know it sounds nice. weird. No, no, I love the Kung Fu one, Panda score. But definitely. So I thought maybe the rest of the score was good and it fit the yeah. theme. I listened to the song Uguay Ascends. It's so calming. It's so, I mean, in that moment of what's happening with oh, yeah. Master Uguay uh-huh. in the movie, it's such you know, a powerful moment for an animated movie. And I just... Oh, yeah. I'm a, non, I'm a non-closet fan of Kung Fu Panda. Right? I, talk about, <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I, I, I've even talked about it, I think, on the, on the podcast, how I, it came out the same year as Iron Man, and everyone was talking about Iron Man, and all I could think of while watching Iron Man was Kung Fu Panda was way better. Than <laughs> was um, oh yeah, I want to talk about some of the ones that I, really quickly, that didn't make my list, which I know tips some things off, and some of these may have made Jake and, and Yoshi's list, or they may not have. Um, and I did, I did, keep, I did strictly uh, keep my list of movies I had already seen. 
and I know that could limit it. Maybe one day I'll see some of these other movies. Some I won't mention some of the ones I haven't seen because it will embarrass me. But um, and I'll see it and think like, oh wow, this would have been. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this would have been number one on that podcast if yeah. I had just watched this before. But I had to go with what I'd already been able to see how it matched the visuals and stuff. So just a couple that I didn't make mine. Gladiator, which I love. But I had heard a different version of the score sometime. I had a friend who had it. And there was a score, uh, there was a version that had a lot of the dialogue from the movie. And I was like, man, I love this. But then I was listening to the straight score and it didn't give me some of that same. And I've seen Gladiator a few times. It's a good score. The Dark Knight, which um, lots of great themes in there are tracks. Um, but then some other ones that did feel blockbustery to me, which is fine. Like, I'm not, I wasn't like, oh, Hans, you're disappointing me or whatever. <laughs> um, the Little Prince, uh, which is Netflix and is really, really nice and was one of my last cuts. It wasn't the last, but it was one of the last. Um, if you get a chance to see that movie, I think it's kind of underappreciated, and his score is one of the reasons. He did it with a guy named Richard Harvey. Blade Runner 2049, which he did with a dude named Benjamin Walfish. The coolest thing Blade Runner 2049 does is evoke the score of Blade Runner um, in, a, in a 2018 way, which was almost why I put it on here, because it kind of married the 80s sci-fi sensibility uh, with now. And then the one I cut very last is from a movie called The Pledge, and I did have kind of an experience like you guys were talking about where there were a few songs on it that I was like, whoa. Um, and The Pledge is a really dark movie. It's directed by Sean Penn and stars uh, Jack Nicholson. And there's a lot of edgy stuff, a lot of less melodic stuff that Hans Zimmer did. Um, and I put, it's so moody and sad, but at the same time, Hans Zimmer brings that moodiness and sadness in, but through the lens of like the investigation where they're trying to figure out what happened to this, this girl. Um, and then he'll, br he brings in a lot of like a, a melody will come and then another melody will come in and kind of overtake that one, or it will come in, combine with it and then dissipate again. Um, and I, I really liked kind of the, the chaos and contrast that that brought up because the movie is about bad people doing bad things and the good people who drive themselves crazy, trying to bring them to justice. And the score really like delves into some of that insanity but there were a lot of underwhelming songs. And it, I, I like wrote a ton about it on here because it used to be on my list. And then I cut it very last, probably about an hour and a half, two hours ago. <laughs> but it's good. The Pledge, if you want to just go. Oh, yeah. I try, hopefully, we'll try to say where some of these are. The Pledge is on Spotify. Um, so you can listen to it anytime. Yoshi, what, do you have any others that I you do. want to mention that didn't make it? Definitely. I did want to mention. I saw on your list. I don't know if you mentioned that Sherlock Holmes was one that was really close for me but I ended up not making my list I just loved how it's so different you know because it's you know all taking place in Great Britain and back in the day when it was you know happening is that the music would be different so I love that he married that also just sort of that old sense of Britain that you know they bring in the movie with the new um, score that he's doing that makes it modern yeah, but at yeah. the same time you feel it old so you have like the modern you know music so it's not just that old you know i mean music has evolved for a reason there's stuff yeah, that's yeah. better now but i love that he was able to bring the two together to push it up it was really close for me yeah definitely quirky weird just like the movie which yeah, is yeah. why i liked it because it matched the movie really well and just definitely gave it a little up and then um definitely the last one that i cut was so sad that I actually, I told them to leave me last for number five because I couldn't make a choice, but I actually did 
make a choice. And the very last one I cut was Gladiator. Oh, nice. Which was so sad because it was, you know, right there and I couldn't that's decide. Good. But Gladiator, I mean, it's such strong. I mean, it won the Golden Globe. Yes. And that's his other was, Golden Globe, The Lion King his, and Gladiator. And Gladiator. And it was nominated for the Oscar as well, um, which uh, I looked it up. It was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that oh, one that year. Which is year, also a good which score. Is also <laughs> amazing score. So I was yeah. like, oh, why didn't it win? I looked it up. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess okay. that makes sense. Fine, <laughs> Oscars. <laughs> All right. You win. <laughs> So, awesome. but yeah, that was definitely a good awesome. one that I wanted to mention. But any that you wanted to mention that were, uh, what, what's the phrase? Just on the fringe. Um, well, so this actually wasn't that tough of a cut for me because uh, I honestly haven't seen a, f- a few. I think of his like major scores, so I haven't seen Gladiator. Uh, there go some listeners, maybe. Uh, <laughs> three of our three yeah. of our fifty six uh-huh. listeners are like, what? Uh, <laughs> he's seeing we the animals, or, and he's hesitant. Yeah. Or at least like they're it. gonna start muting it every time I talk. <laughs> but um, can you imagine? <laughs> he maybe I don't know if they've switched yet. They're gonna, just muting it just in case. They're gonna email I'm back. us and ask for um, like, a, hey, can you tell yeah. me the sections where Jake's <laughs> yeah, like the time muting? <laughs> so uh, no gladiator. Um, Chad mentioned cutting the Dark Knight. Yoshi did not. If it ends up being in your five, I'm going to be eager to hear your case for it. Not because I'm going to trash talk it, but I re-listened to it uh, in preparation for this, and there's just really not anything the Dark Knight score does for me. But I know that it, a lot of people consider it to be iconic and like super love it, so I want to hear someone explain why. But for me, it's not. Um, I did maybe just set a record a few minutes ago by changing uh, my number five. Whoa. That's why I started laughing when you asked me if I was going to add something, because I thought you were calling me out for changing something. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but I did change it because, so I'm pretty passionate about my, my four, my top four, but I didn't really know what to do for my fifth one, because there were none that like super stood out to me. So I had hidden figures because it's just like nice and it's emotional, which was like kind of my main qualifier, right? Sure. Uh, but I ended up going with something else that I think is going to shock the masses so <laughs> shock the masses yeah I love when we talk about how we shock the masses all 56 of you are just <laughs> blown away alright well I yeah I the, I'm gonna kind of I'll start this time and we'll just kind of feel how we do it and, and I already mentioned I have very little musical background and none of us here even though uh, Jake and Yoshi have some none of us here are claiming to be experts I don't think and a lot of us, a lot of what we're speaking from is like, which, which ones spoke to us, right? Mm-hmm, which ones totally. really, and, and I know Jake and I have talked about this before and, and Yoshi, I would bet is probably similar. There's also a, a mini compulsion or impulse to, to find something different, to find something that might not necessarily surprise the other two, but like, okay, I'm not going to go with the ones that for sure everyone would expect. Um, and so, yeah, there was some of that with me and my first one, it, it might seem silly, but I actually think it's a pretty darn good score, and I first kind of listened to it. This is my number five. I first kind of listened to it, not as a joke, but just like, oh, interesting, he did that score? And like, I've seen this movie multiple times. And then as I was listening to the score, I'm like, this is a good score. And and we talked about, it's not phoned in. It's, sorry, I have some notes, cause, because uh, you know I don't know as much about music, so I wrote down some notes. Um, it's not phoned in at all. There's some echoes of the Pirates of the Caribbean score in it, and this was years before Pirates of the Caribbean. So I would love to, ne- from now on, imply that Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> was inspired by this score. My number five is Muppet Treasure Island. Whoa. Yeah, Muppet Treasure Island, which I thought, it, he, he touches on the swashbuckling. In fact, there's a few songs, like, some of the tracks I'll name by name just because, like... 
I'm trying to, you know, be as specific as possible, but there's a track called Land Ho that feels like a pirate anthem that would have really existed. That somehow Hans Zimmer like had heard passed down for years and years and was able to transcribe. Um, there's there's a beautiful kind of uh, menace underneath some of the songs, uh, some of the tracks um, that really suggests like the human form. Tim Curry, you know, who plays uh, Long John Silver. Like, but the menace is kind of like, there's, there's a, 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 it's, it's palpable. There's a, a palpableness to it. I'm like, oh yeah, like you're, you're threatening these kids right now, Hans Zimmer. Like, and I'm into that. I'm into not, <laughs> I'm like into, into not shying away from like the kids in the audience being like, oh, this music kind of scares me. Like, yeah, it should, because like, he's trying to really give them this sense. And, and it is like, there are some blockbustery moments in Muppet Treasure Island. Um, and I'm not saying you can't actually find it on Spotify. It's on YouTube and you have to go through all the songs first, like the songs they sing, which he did not compose. But then the score after it's pretty, it's pretty hearty. Like, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of it, you know, it's not just, you know, 15 minutes of score. Like there's a, a fair amount of score there in between. Um, and it is actiony sometimes where it's like that, but I think in the way that, that pirates was where there's some epic sounding stuff that really takes you on a journey. There was a, a, a track called The Map that was like, it did a lot of, it's kind of long, a long cue, and it did a lot of stuff, and it takes kind of these peaks and valleys before kind of settling at the end and sending you into, you know, the adventure. Um, and I, I, I mean, I know some people listen to that, well, it's not a real score or whatever because it's Muppet Treasure Island, but this was one of the ones that said to me like, oh, like he, I don't think he just is like, well, I'll take Muppet Treasure Island. He's like, no, I have a job to do. Right. And I'm going to do that job. So that was my number five. All right. Nice. Anyway, am I next? Yeah. I'm uh, excited now that you surprise. just made the switch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is, this is Chad's doing an eager dance. <laughs> uh, we really should video some of this, but not really because it would be more boring and you can't listen to mm -hmm. it in your car. But I was doing an eager dance. He's not <laughs> Uh, so this is the only positive thing you'll ever catch me saying about this movie. Oh. But I ended up going with number five. Uh, I ended up going with uh, Batman vs. Superman. Oh. Dawn of Justice. Uh, <laughs> not the other Batman vs. Superman. BVS <laughs> yeah. Dawn of Justice. BVS DOJ. Yeah. Uh, that is funny. Yeah. But I'm, 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 I mean, I know I promised I wasn't going to talk over Jake and I did it anyway. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I'm really excited to hear your explanation. Okay. Here's the thing. This is, I, I'm not phoning it in, but I'm not going to pretend to be able to talk a ton about this oh, score. Because I didn't re listen to it. We're already at 41 this. minutes, guys. We're, we're trying to, we'll do our best. <laughs> we'll, wrap it it in. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> I didn't re listen to it for this, but I do remember it being one of the only things I liked about that movie. Uh, because it, it's it's a really emotional score, and uh, I do remember he does some very like these kind of like isolated piano notes for some of the emotional beats of the movie. Now let me say and make it clear: the acting, the writing, nothing else in the movie earns those emotional beats. But if this score had been in another movie, I think I would have. It would have, like, I I don't know. It could elevate any movie. Basically, it did elevate that movie a tiny bit. And uh, I, I, it made me wish that there were actually stronger emotional things happening on screen to be paired with the score that he wrote. When you have things like, whatever, spoilers, and it's a terrible movie anyway, but Superman dies at some point. Uh, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. And, he, but, and they have this, like, sad, um, you know, dark gray funeral for him. Um, 
but like the score was really awesome and like really emotional and i think i ended up saving a few tracks for my like begrudgingly and like didn't tell anyone uh <laughs> but like kind of put it into my like uh cry jams playlist and, uh, um which is like 600 songs long by the way <laughs> Follow me on Spotify. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a good one. And so I wish it belonged to a better movie, but that's my number five. Well, that that's a second mention for a DC movie that he did. And, again, another vote for him not phoning this stuff in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, even yeah. in, in something like that. Also, if you want to tweet at Rogo Tours about your reaction to his Cry Jams Spotify playlist, <laughs> we are into that, like, with mad, mad passion. All right, Yoshi, what's your, what's your number five? Yeah. Okay, so number five. This is the one that was, you know, on the brink, and obviously... I decided it before Jake had even said what he said, but the listeners are going to get what they want, which is me defending the Dark Knight versus (laughs) Jake. All all the listeners in their car right now are like, yes! (laughs) Jake (laughs) set this up and Yoshi's about to knock it out of the park. (laughs) Oh gosh, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm just... (laughs) Well, no, don't worry. I'm scared now after I heard him say that. I'm like, like, can I really do this? Just just, let me pull up that movie let's throw another random one in there. Jake said it's terrible. Let's hear it. Madagascar. No, number five. I don't doubt Madagascar is good. Yeah, it's probably. Hans Zimmer still did it. That's true. Okay, so The Dark Knight. So I definitely believe there's a lot of it that follows the same sort of, you know, sort of marvel-y thing where there's a lot of moments that are just big. I feel that it has a nice, you know, theme. You know, the everything that goes (laughs) along with that. You know, what I like about The Dark Knight soundtrack is how... I look at the Dark Knight soundtrack, and it's like this weird comparison I've made in my head. I look at the Dark Knight soundtrack, and I put it, like, with the Joker. In that, the Dark Knight soundtrack sort of represents, like, a version of the Joker. They said, hey, this is the Joker. This is his character. Make him, like, the score. And so a lot of times, it's just normal, and he's, you know, going along, and he's doing his plan. You know, it just has its regular music. But then there are moments that are, it's just so intense. And it's so... I have notes about it that I have to read, because... I wrote it. it's because I put a lot of thought into it. It says it's fluid and it's moving, but it's awkward and it makes you uncomfortable. There's obviously those moments. There's a few iconic moments. There's the why so serious and the boat scene where they have that long minor chord held out. And if you don't know, a minor chord is just meant to be. It's not meant to feel good for your ears. You know, it's just meant to be. How do you say? It's like. Dissonant. Dissonant. Uh, See, I was not, thinking definitely not melodic. Exactly. Right? It's just supposed that you hear that and you don't just like, oh, There's yeah. a tenseness sometimes of course. that comes with it. I mean, and if you've watched The Dark Knight, you know exactly. I mean, don't tell me you cannot hear just that note, oh, that yeah. minor chord just being held out. Um, that really makes you feel, along with whatever the Joker or whatever is happening, makes you feel uncomfortable, suspenseful, and waiting. So there's the why so serious scene that is just so much about him. And then there's the scene with the ferry boats that it's just the waiting. And the waiting, you just feel so uncomfortable because you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you have an idea, but you're sure. hoping, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just, but that music makes me like doubt myself. Like, I know what's going to happen. And then there's just this, and I'm like, but do I? <laughs> like, what is going to happen? And so those are my main things nice. about The Dark Knight that makes me like it. Um, let's see if I wrote anything about it. I felt like, oh, it was also, I felt like there were some parts where it was weird and it was, like, interesting. I felt like it was reckless, but I also put that with, with the Joker. The Joker, yeah. exactly, that it was reckless and it sometimes was all over the place. Yeah, some chaos. I felt like, I don't, I, I'm not saying by any means they said, hey, man, make this soundtrack the Joker, but I just put them up next to each other and I say, hey, that's what I see when I see right. this movie. And 
Heath Ledger did such an amazing job that I feel like when you do this and you put up to such like, you know, the most iconic part of that movie, I feel like the soundtrack is sort of like that. I say that if I had to like, you know, rank like the components of that film, obviously I think Heath Ledger's acting would be better than the score. Sure. But I feel like it holds its own and it sort of, you know, mirrors what he does in that iconic role. So Yeah, there's a scene that we that I show on film lit to to focus on Heath Ledger's acting. It's the scene where he comes into the party. Um, yes. And when he's like circling um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Rachel. Yes. Uh, there's that note, and I don't. I just we always listen to it in class because I'm like, I want you to focus on Heath Ledger's acting, not on the way the camera spins and not on that note. But they all work in concert really well. Exactly. It's actually one of my favorite tracks on there, just because it's so. It just like holds forever, and you're just like you feel what she no, feels, and you feel. I mean, he knows Hans Zimmer knows what he's doing, right? He yeah, knows what he's doing. Definitely. And one of my other favorite ones. So way back in the day, when I was in Chad's film lit class, we had to do different analyses on different you know parts of a movie, and one of them that I did was from The Dark Knight, and I had forgot about it until just now, and it's the moment where Batman is interrogating the Joker, right? And the Joker says something that lets you know Batman know. He lets him know something that's really changing to the plot. It's crucial and it's a twist that you're just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And in that moment, the music that's just like, you know, sort of there, sort of not there going, just like, like sneaks in to just let you know that, yo, something's going on right now. And when he says that, it just sneaks in in that moment and it's like, okay, that's awesome. it's about to go down (laughs) because of what he said. So that's what I liked about it. I'd love to hear Jake's rebuttal. <laughs> I have two. I'm converted. It's going to be my number one now. Uh, but no, let's hear but your I, number four, though, after, if you want to say something. Okay, no, just, that it was a helpful explanation. I understand better now why people love it so much. Uh, so I'm going number four? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, my number four is Blade Runner 2049. Nice. Uh, so I, I love the way that the... Uh, Blade Runner 2049 score is so committed to that 80 sound that uh, Chad mentioned to tying the score back to the original Blade Runner movie. Because uh, you'll see a lot of times with like these stylized scores, those maybe they'll have like a main theme or two that like you know are stylized in that certain way, but then they'll back off into some more generic sounding uh, tracks for the rest of the movie or whatever. But like Blade Runner 2049, the entire time it's like. It's like smashing you in the face with these very 80s, yeah. cheesy, like, Casio keyboard sounds, S- yeah, right? Synthesizer like synthesizer sounding. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and I super love it. Um, so it's very atmospheric. So this is one that I chose not because there's really... Like, there are tracks that I like for sure, um, but it's not that they have these, like, strong melodies that really, like, stand out and stick in my head. It's very much about just the uh, the constant atmosphere that the score gives the movie. It's big when it needs to be big, and, and it's a different type of big than this blockbustery thing we've been yeah. talking about oh, right sure. it's very uh bassy it's a very different sounding and it's this sustained like bassy boomy thing that uh like gosh this is making me want to see that movie in theaters again if, yeah. i'm it's the kind of movie that'll go on back in the theaters because it has such a i feel like it already has kind of a cult following in a way um but uh yeah it, it's it just it is a huge component of what makes that movie work as well as it does um and and who knows that was the I think that was the one you initially texted me about and we're like what do we do about these uh, collaborations Oh yeah, so. well because I I didn't realize he had collaborated so much mm-hmm. yeah. and I didn't want to 
disinclude those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, even though I didn't end up with any collaborative ones on, but it was just a coincidence. Right. Like the last one I cut was the last one. Cause like I mentioned, yeah, Little Prince is collaborative. That's collaborative. There was one Gladiator's collaborative. Gladiator Lisa, is. Gerard or Gerard did it. Definitely. Did it and there me. was one that I hadn't, you know, really considered because of how much collaboration was in it, but I loved was actually the amazing Spider-Man two yeah. was collaborative. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put it on there because there was a lot of collaboration right, because right. he did it with Farrell Williams and a ton of other people. Oh, but yeah. I did love what he did because the main villain of that movie is Electro and there's just so much like with the collaborations with yeah. like the more modern people he did and made cool. it more electronic so I liked it but yeah yeah Austin, yeah sorry. so I, I hope that Hans is responsible for a lot of the genius in that score if he's not and someone can call me out that's fine but yeah. uh, I love that score he's still so. a part of it he's know? a part of it I yeah. Think, yeah we were like yeah we'll go ahead and do mm-hmm. it anyway you know yeah and it's funny because I mentioned I think earlier that the Rain Man score was like 280s for me, but the Blade Runner twenty forty nine score doesn't have, even though it is eighties, like it doesn't have that same off putting quality that sure. I felt like when I when I was re listening to Rain Man. Like, oh yeah, this just sounds like a relic. It doesn't sound like a relic. It sounds like, uh, oh man, you said atmospheric. That whole, that movie is all atmosphere. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a negative. I liked Blade Runner twenty forty nine a lot, but it is all atmosphere, yeah. and that's the job of the music as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're hitting emotional beats here, but not as much as just giving you this feeling <laughs> throughout. <laughs> awesome. Go for it, definitely. Yoshi, number four. Okay, all right. So my number four, I would definitely say is my biggest surprise and the movie that I remember the least about. But I remember enough and listening to the soundtrack, I couldn't leave it off. My number four is Crimson Tide. Hey! So this was definitely my biggest surprise, even to myself looking at it. Bringing back, of course... The King, Denzel Washington, uh-huh, back into uh-huh. the discussion. So Crimson Tide, the reason that I love the soundtrack so much was, like I said, I still, even the movie, I went back and I like, read the synopsis because I had seen it when I was like little. It was yeah. like, so when I was little, my mom was very protective of us. We didn't watch a lot of anything that wasn't PG, but my dad was pretty cool with us. And so whenever, <laughs> whenever she was at home, he'd be like, all right, guys, let's watch some Star Trek or something like that so I remembered Shut it was just Tom. a movie <laughs> shout out if you know him um, so uh, yeah definitely so Crimson Tide was one of those movies that he had just loved I guess he had seen it in theaters because I think it came out in 1995 I was going to say if I'm not right yeah, yeah so right before I was when born Gene Hackman so, was still making movies man yeah exactly so yeah. Crimson Tide I mean there's just something about the plot that when it's going along it really just pushes it and it moves it forward and it provides also a lot of the atmosphere because the movie is really there's a lot of conflict in the movie yeah. and I feel like that's definitely reflected in the score the way I can hear it is that there's different instruments that almost try to play over each other like in the movie yeah how does that and the so much, the whole yeah. time they're just going at each other so it's a claustrophobic movie too yeah exactly and so you can probably also, contribute to that so yeah. I'll probably have to go back and listen for that but I wouldn't doubt it if you could just hear some like sort of yeah. like, you know like mutes or something that just keeps it in even though it's still a really big and like blockbuster score yeah nice. but I definitely like Crimson Tide and... That's awesome. I'm glad that's an off-the-beaten-path one. Now I want to go listen to the score. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know if... I, I know Blade Runner 2049 is on Spotify. Dark Knight's on Spotify. Oh, Dark Knight's on Spotify. Crimson uh, Tide also. All of mine are on Spotify. Oh, Crimson Beautiful. Tide is the one that I couldn't find, like, an original. There were people who, like, said that there was some... If you want to find the actual Crimson Tide score... It's hard. Uh, but you found YouTube. someone who put tracks together. YouTube. Yeah. Well, so some people put tracks together, but not even all of them. Okay. They were just, like, pieces yeah, yeah. of it, and they had the picture... YouTube nice. is definitely the way to go. And even then, like, you search it, and there's this one that comes up, and it has four tracks. And even though one of them is, like, 23 minutes long, it's not the whole score. Nice. So it's rough. Sure, sure. Piece it all well, together, old, yeah. as, as yeah. it always is, right? But yeah. you can do it. And 
It's awesome. Good. Go search them out, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Video. I know. I'm, in, I'm into that. <laughs> All five of mine are on Spotify. I'll say nice. No. And yeah, the rest, of my, the rest of mine are. It was only Muppet Treasure Island, which was on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, my number four, I actually, Yoshi mentioned it earlier because I had it on my original list of stuff that was cut, but then I brought oh, it back. Oh, you decided. Like, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So my number four is Sherlock Holmes, which isn't a movie I even loved all that much. Like, I liked it fine. I, I, I liked the way that it was offbeat, which Guy Ritchie does a lot. Um, but I love the score. Yeah. Um, right, even now I'm hearing part of it in my mind. Um, and I, there's a lot of, there's a, uh, the word I chose was there's a lot of mischief, mischievous quality to it or mischievous, mm-hmm. however you pronounce that word, but mischievous is what I say. A mischievous quality to the score, which really matches Robert Downey Jr. Not just his performance, but the character of, yes. um, Sherlock. Um, and then there were, there were a lot of tracks. Like I, like I said, I enjoyed the movie well enough, but I, I think his music really elevates it. And I, I think I had the most fun listening to this score and remembering kind of some of the beats, the emotional beats and stuff. Um, because it just has a, a quirky jauntiness to it that I really yeah. liked. Uh, uh, some of the tracks that I, uh, I really enjoyed, there's one called Not in Blood But in Bond that just has this like feeling of oh. aching emotion. It's just like one single violin. Yeah. Um, there's one called Is It Poison Nanny, which has a great second half. And it really, it's fast, but you can still feel the curiosity. A lot of it really suggests the inquisitiveness of, of uh, Sherlock and, and Watson, which I really liked. Um, and then there's one called My Mind Rebels at Stagnation, which is one of my very favorite. There's also great titles for the tracks on Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> by the way. Um, and this one like starts kind of, kind of bouncy and stuff, but then kind of turns into a reflection on the melancholy in life. There are like, and there are like two different strings. I couldn't tell if one of them was the cello or the fiddle or, you know, I know the fiddle's technically the violin, but um, they're playing at odds with each other kind of at the same time. And then one fades out and then the other one keeps going and then it just stops at the end. And I just really liked the effect. I really liked the effect. So it, I had the most fun, like if you're just wanting to listen to something and not even watch the movie and not even worry about it, um, Sherlock Holmes was the best. But there's a, that great theme that's like, bum, bum, na, 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 na. it was so yeah, it was good. Fun. It's it so, so good, good. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my number four. And that was the last one. I know I put it above Muppet Treasure Island, but that was the last one to secure a spot on my, on my list. Um, let's see. You went last. The front. I can't. I oh no! I just went. Oh yeah, yeah. You started. Yeah, so I think yeah. I started this time. Okay, perfect. Okay, yeah. so my number three um, might come as a shock to people who know me. They'd be like, "It's not your number one." My number three is Inception. Ah yes. Okay. Inception. So Inception. The reason that because I had thought and almost every single because you know I made various iterations of the list to see you know what looked right when I decided <laughs> hey that's that's what I want right there. So on, on almost every iteration, I had it at number one or number two. And the reason it finally actually ended up being number three is that I listened to the score as, score as a whole. And sort of like Jake mentioned, I love the theme. Time is the theme from Inception, and I love it. It's amazing. It's so good. But I listened to the rest of the score, and it was good, and it did provide it, but it didn't provide as much as it could have. And even though you know time was there almost like the whole time, even though time was most of the soundtrack of inception the other parts they did good and they provided their purpose which is why obviously it's still on my list but it wasn't as much as if you think about inception you think about time you don't think about the rest of the soundtrack unlike the other two which i still have on my list i think the whole soundtrack reflects it wherever you're at in the movie it does that however that aside inception when you have time 
when you're listening to it, it is just mesmerizing. Yeah. Good you're work thinking about for the it. Inception soundtrack. Oh, 100% good work. So if I look at what I wrote, I said, it's definitely, if it's not my favorite, it's definitely in the top three pieces that he's written ever. And so I said, what I think is, um, I think the song is brilliant and it's moving. It keeps the emotion high, you know, and it keeps your emotions high and everything, but it's also delicate, sort of like a dream. Is that It's that everything's yeah. going so crazy, but it's also so fragile when you're listening to it. And it can be huge. So on more of an actual, you know, music note, I love, I love love at the end when obviously they get back and then they're in the airport. When you see him walking through and it's sort of that slow motion, the actual music part of it, what I love is something that I've always loved is they have these French horn riffs. And it's that when you hear like that, just like that because you have everything going on those those are some of my favorite things mm. we played this one song in high school and it was called exultate and i'm a percussionist you know i do my own thing in the back and i you know normally like ignore the band like not ignore that's bad but <laughs> <laughs> sorry focus on your own thing <laughs> sorry if there's anyone listening there but focus so, on your own thing yeah. yeah so focus on my own thing but that was the one thing we played this one song called exultate and the reason i loved it was that in this one part there's just these french horn riffs and it just goes so high and it just has such a powerful that instrument i just love it it's like the only other thing i would consider playing nice. besides percussion and when it just has that at the end it's just so powerful and he's walking in and everyone's looking at him and it's just such a great going scene. around him and as it comes into the end and it fades it's just so powerful but i also love sort of like not the same thing because it's you know it's major and it's all right right there we get to the very end obviously with what's happening at the end with it spinning when it just cuts and it has that last Yay! note which because you because <laughs> so the volume is so loud and uh-huh. it just comes and it comes to this resolution which you see but then you see that happen and it comes and it just opens so up right good. at the end to increase that what he's trying to do there at the end make you think like is yeah. it really happening so i just think that the score goes along so well with the movie time itself is a masterpiece i just yeah i'll be interested to see if it if we hear from it again well yes I can jump in because Inception is my number three as well. Oh, Perfect. Bum, bum, bum. So. Go. Okay. I mean, you said a lot of what I wanted to say. I was also uh, wondering if my decision to include it was pretty much just driven by uh, the track that, Time. That's just... um, Man, if I had but, notes on it on a later number of mine, I probably would have put that as well. <laughs> I, uh, I, no spoilers here, guys. <laughs> I think I'm a little higher uh, than Yoshi is on the soundtrack overall, though, because as I, I didn't even have to, I mean, I did re-listen to it for this, but I didn't have to because I could already recall the, uh, there is kind of a main, like, action theme, aside from the time theme that plays throughout the movie, um, that really sticks in my head, and I really like it. It is, because I've talked a lot about emotional cues and stuff and how that's the main thing that draws me to a score, but I can also, like, I can also groove to a good, uh, a well- orchestrated uh like action piece so sure. um groove <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my head it's the head bob again oh yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah there's there's like kind of a main action theme i didn't get a track name down of an example of it but uh i think it's featured many times in the movie but he does a thing in, in the inception score that i really like with a tempo change where he'll do kind of like there'll be a like build up that feels like even if it's not it feels like it's quickening in pace and then he'll like slow it back down at these crucial moments where something you know explosive or really important happens on screen and 
to add that just really quick, something that popped into mind, obviously between the different layers with time being so different, I think that that's super big. So even if the tempo might be the same, I can, there's this one picture in my mind where there's the strings and they're playing 16 notes. It's like, did, 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 right? And then it cuts to when the van is falling and obviously time is much slower there. And it just has, and it cuts those 16 notes and it just has a Yes. And then it goes back to something and it's faster. I again. think that's what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, and that's like very uh, cool. Like I'm, you're teaching me now that he does that with that score, but that makes total sense. I, I've never even noticed that. I'm sure maybe people talk about that all the time, but I think... Yeah, he does that where, like, to uh, show the differences Gosh. between how time is passing in each level. So, uh, that's really cool. So, I don't stuff. know. I'm satisfied with it as my number three. Yeah, yeah. I'll, we'll see if I All talk right. about it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my number three, and then I was going to go first, so I'll just do my number two right after that um, to get back to the, the, the thing, but I'm glad you, <laughs> No, no, I'm glad you jumped in. I'm, no joke. Like, yeah, you want to do it right now. I wish it were my number three now, so I can just <laughs> talk about it. Who knows if it'll come up again. Um <laughs> So my number three is uh, a movie that I really like a lot, um, probably underappreciated and maybe um, not one that a lot of people have necessarily seen, to be honest. But my number three is Spanglish, um, which has some gorgeous, gorgeous tracks on it. Like there's some elegance to some, especially there's this one called um, No Left. It's sprightly. It's fun. Like you feel like the start of a new love. And then it kind of, it, there's a lot of cultural stuff in this because there is some cultural clash between Adam Sandler, I, I forget Adam, his character's name. Like, is that Adam Sandler? Yeah, and, and Paz Vega's floor because it's about Adam Sandler's like uh, marriage and how it kind of unravels a little bit and, he, and then he has some curiosity about this, this uh, woman um, who is uh, Latina and he is not, you know, he's not really sure and the score echoes a lot of that in a really interesting way. Not only with uh, different uh, cultural touches, different styles of music that will kind of clash sometimes, but he there's a lot of curiosity in the music, which kind of mirrors their kind of curiosity about is this something like he has his life? Can their lives ever be the same? Is his marriage ending? So Hans Zimmer does a really good job with that, um, and a lot of the songs have a real gentleness to them that that appeal to me strongly. Like there's some simplicity to them, yes, but you feel kind of especially of Paz Vega's character. She's very gentle, and and the 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 songs kind of wash over you in that way. Um, at the beginning, they have a, there's a, a second track called "The Beach." I think it's the second track on the score, and it's kind it kind of functions like an overture. It's a really long track, and it touches on a lot of the emotions that you're going to feel throughout the movie, giving you a touch of like her and him and and Adam Sandler's daughter and Leone, who plays who plays the wife. Um, I just I really really liked it. Um, and that one of the last song is, is one of the last tracks is called Bus Stop, and it sounds like a piece of classical music from years ago, but with a modern feel um, that fits really well, kind of the the ending emotions of this movie. Um, I yeah, I adored the Spanglish soundtrack. I think there's some some tracks on it that are up there with the best stuff I listen to or remember from Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. and none of it fits like a perfect like we've been talking about. Oh the you know, the template or the formula. And I felt like none of it did that. Like he, he was very much serving this story with let's, let's clue people into the insight about what these guys are feeling and where they might go with this. So yeah, I was super into that one. Give it a listen on Spotify, obviously. And I'll do my number two. Uh, Also might surprise people. Those of you, a few of you who know me, like my sister, who's a big friend of our podcast, she will, she will know immediately 
Um, right now, probably, if she thinks about um, Ridley Scott movies, she will probably know where I'm going. I think, Krista, you own this movie, too. Let me know. Um, anyway, my number two is Matchstick Man um, with Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell, directed by Ridley Scott. I, on the down low, kind of low-key, think that this is Ridley Scott's best movie, nice. even though I know a lot of people would not agree with that. Um, and this one, really, it, a lot of them are waltzy. And some of them, there's even one called The Banker's Waltz. Um, and you get this kind of back and forth dance of being a con man. And there's a lot of playfulness on this score, which I love. Like you feel the charm of what, of what they're doing. <laughs> Chad's um, doing more dancing, but oh my not gosh. a waltz in any way. <laughs> I do not know what waltzes look like at all. But I, I do kind of know, kind of, uh, the tempo and the feel of a waltz, kind of. Um, I was con- it was confirmed because I was just listening uh, sometimes, and I was like, "This sounds waltzy," and they're like, "Oh, it's called the Banker's Waltz." Oh, I nailed it. you know, I nailed it. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, totally killed it. Um, anyway, uh, but there, so there's some very there's some some beautiful tracks that are very simple. Then then there's some like that abruptly change. Um, there's one that I really liked um, called "Weird Is Good." That really gives us the effect of when Nicolas Cage meets this daughter and, and she's kind of enters his life but also assimilates into his life because Hans Zimmer brings back an earlier memo, uh, melody and kind of assimilates it with the other melody. Like she comes in, she kind of throws his life into chaos but it starts to like, he kind of brings these two, two lives together. Um, and the opening one is just kind of just gives you the sense of the con man's world. It's called Flim Flam. Um, I was enchanted by this score, and and I've seen the movie lots of times. It's one of my very favorites, and I did. Even I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I remembered how much the score contributed to why I remember this movie so fondly, to why I get so into it, to why I understand the emotional journey of these characters really well. I think that was the most eye opening for me, and why it ended up it ended up number two, was because I was like, oh yeah, like that's why I have such strong feelings toward these characters, like Hans Zimmer. You. Again, it's a con man movie, but you, he was very focused on the emotional journey that Nicolas Cage's character takes, which is why I think Magic Men is so underappreciated, because I'm like, no, this character does some really interesting stuff in, in kind of uh, uh, figuring out his life. So yeah, big fan, Magic Men number two. Nice. What do you is got? my turn for number yeah, two? Yeah, your turn All for right. number two. Man, I'm getting nervous, because like, <laughs> if neither of you have, if neither of you end up mentioning this movie that I mentioned right now, like... I'll probably quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that pressure is on. So, uh, do you include I'm your number for one? Because I just did two. I only have one left. And I know it's not yours. <laughs> I know you're not about to say it. Really? Yes. Yeah, now I'm even more surprised. You, not my number one or two. You're not going to say anyway. No, uh, uh, never mind. You might. Okay. I'm surprised that. Yeah. I don't know. If you know. Uh, I don't so, think you picked up on a lot of my hinting earlier. Yet. No, I didn't. Clearly, whatever. It was. <laughs> uh, so if you, uh, this won't be a surprise if you listened to our "If We Picked the Winners" podcast earlier this year um, for the Oscars. Oh, nice. But my number two is uh, the score for Dunkirk. Um, <clears throat> wow, uh, the Dunkirk is like it really it demands a lot of its score, the ticking. Uh, but the, the score t- like completely powers the movie. So yeah, there's the ticking thing, right? That's like probably the most, uh, recognizable, yeah, iconic, the most distinct different. thing about distinct, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. good word. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, if you, 
for some reason haven't seen Dunkirk. Uh, <laughs> First shame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's basically a ticking in the score for like the entire movie. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, that alone is amazing, right? It creates this sense of dread yeah. uh, and like urgency uh, as these characters are trying to get out of the situations they're in. Um, and there's also a lot of people mention like the uh, really cool thing he does with, uh, I don't know all the terminology for it, but the way that he makes it feel like the score is continuously climbing and like it's just constantly climaxing but uh it it never like gives you the satisfaction of coming back down just keeps going up and up and up and stressing you out (laughs) um and so uh I love those things about it but I love even more about it um the uh, things that I I haven't heard people talk about as much um there's this really cool recurring like theme I guess it's kind of more of a noise but I guess it's a theme in the music that happens uh, at various times throughout the movie where horns are used like sirens um that creates this super awesome effect and it's just like that like noise has just been looping in my head ever since I saw the movie um mm-hmm. it's kind of a problem actually at this point <laughs> uh but aside from that uh Dunkirk is like uh, an ideal score because it's so unique with its instrumentation and uh its execution but also it has that emotion for me as well um I really I don't know if it's considered the main theme from Dunkirk but there's music there's a theme that plays when help arrives, um, spoilers for history, I guess, <laughs> at the end of the movie. Real world history spoilers. But, yeah, but the theme that plays when when help arrives is like so nice. It has that, it has the blockbuster element of feeling like a grand moment, but to me it's not in a generic way. Um, and then also going into the end credits, like I've, I like really uh, consider end credit music to be its own art. I feel like a lot of movies do interesting things with what they choose for the end credits, like, immediately, you know? And a lot of people just, like, especially in a theater or or even at home, like, people get up kind of immediately when a movie ends and, like, don't pay attention anymore, which I understand why, but, uh, but sometimes people do really cool things with it, and just the way that the last song of the, the actual movie, I guess, ends, and then the transition into the end credit song of Dunkirk, just, like, I don't know, it really tugs my heartstrings, and, like, the music just, uh, I don't know, it it really, to me, represents the uh, feelings of relief that, like, the characters must have, and the, the relief that we can be feeling as an audience, that, like, the stress we just went through is over, um, and it, I don't know, it makes for just really good reflection time uh, as the end credits roll. I, I think it's kind of like a variation on that home, the when people come for help theme from earlier in the movie, but... Uh, I love every every second of that score. Uh, I listen to it without the movie all the time. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a relief, but also a sadness at sort of some of the events that transpired in the yeah. movie as you get to the end there. Um, so just to add on, my number two is Dunkirk. Oh, oh good. good. So, okay. Because I, well, I was just I, all I was gonna say is like, oh yeah, you can be disappointed in me. Like I love the score of Dunkirk, but it just wasn't. Yeah. It does a lot of great things. And I was like, yeah, if, it, if Yoshi ends up not having it, like, Jake will just feel disappointment in this for so long. Um, but he'll come I back. actually have a weird, like, I'm going to let you finish on Dunkirk, but Beyonce had the best. Just kidding. Um, I have a weird feeling that could be totally wrong that you guys might have the same top three. But oh, we'll see in a minute. Because three and three were the same, two and two were the same. I think we do. Yeah, you it's might. Very it's but we don't have the same number one as you? No. No. Ugh, what my are you number, doing? Why? My number one has already been said. 
Oh. You're betraying everything I thought that you loved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell us more. Add, add on a little bit, though. He, he covered it very well, but add of on course, what, what you yes, want to add on. Definitely. With I Dunker. thought that what Jake said was absolutely perfect. With, that's literally, in my notes, the first words are the ticking. Yeah. Obviously, it is the most distinct and iconic thing about the movie. It gives that sense of urgency. Something else that when I went back and I listened to it again um, was... There's, I just always, I don't know, maybe I look for more and maybe I give some things like more than they really are, but I try to compare the music to the movie to see something, you know, in the way what instruments are being played and what's going on in the movie. So something that I loved is I went and I listened to the score and there's these parts during it when you see, you know, the whole army on the beach and everything's happening and transpiring where the ticking's happening. There are a lot of instruments playing and there's this sound, you know, that's coming and it's not a quiet sound, so it's big. It's just so hollow, though, at the same time. And so I sort of feel like that encaptures the moment, is that you have an army that's on a beach here. You know, you think of an army, you know. You have this, like, big feeling, but at the same time with what's happening to them, they just feel so helpless, so lost, and they really are just so alone. And they're trying to reach home. They're trying to get back to it. And so I just think it's sort of haunting, but at the same time just so beautiful that you hear that, and it's this big sound, but at the same time it's just so... Not quiet, just so alone. And so nice. by itself. That was one of the main things that I loved, and I thought that was really amazing. Um, definitely something else uh, that I was thinking about is that the ticking, besides just providing that urgency, it keeps you engaged the whole time. That Even if you don't notice it, you're just like you know, going into it. And sort of like Jake noticed, if anyone, if people go and they try to put different things into scores other than just, you know, the music and the symphonies and everything like that, then I feel like it's really interesting, which is why I like the ticking, which is why I liked, I know what you're saying, those horns, like that sound, it's like sort of great, sort of haunting, like really cool, and so it's definitely different, I definitely thought it paid off, obviously it's in my top five, Dunkirk yeah. is, I have That's to awesome. see it again, it's been a long time since I've seen it, I was worried that, because I was hoping that someone else was going to say it as well, <laughs> I was worried Jake wasn't going to say it, because he mentioned the, if we pick the winners of the Oscars, and I forgot about the, I think I picked that as my favorite score. I, I better think have. you do. I'll have to go back in. I was between that and Phantom Thread, but I think I went with Dunkirk because I was yeah. like, Dunkirk's more unique. I think, I think you did because I think I remember you talking mm-hmm. about it, but I was so scared because I sort of forgot it. And I'm yeah. like, what movie is this? <laughs> oh, Phantom <laughs> Thread, man. But that's a side note. Really good. Good okay, I'm going to go first just because mine's already been said and I already hinted about it, and then we can hear if these two happen to have the same one. My number one, and I really didn't want it to be number one, and I think we bumped up from you to Jake on the number three one, where you yes. were like, oh, it should have been number one, but then it didn't, and then you're like, well, I appreciate it more, and I, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I just forgot that you didn't end up saying it like My next. number one is Inception, oh. and, and it wasn't there the whole time, but man, do I love it. And um, like I said, okay. yeah. Uh, I love all of these scores that I've mentioned for different reasons, but this one feel, feels brilliant from the get-go. Like, um, and, and I consider it one of the most iconic scores. And obviously, Hans Zimmer did some great things for some other Christopher Nolan movies, obviously. What are you talking about? Um, but there's a depth <laughs> to the music that I, like, I can't even explain it. Like, I love the way it builds the suspense and when they're cutting between different dream loves. And I actually put the intrusion where it cuts, you know, from the... And I don't... I, obviously, I'm not as good with tempo and stuff. But also the intrusion that you feel... Excuse me when they're intruding into people's innermost thoughts and dreams. I think a lot of times you feel that intrusion. And what I wrote on here was time, like it almost moves me to tears when I just listen to it. Oh, It is such an amazing track. It builds, it it could feel repetitive, but for some reason it doesn't feel repetitive at all to me. 
And then when it quiets down and just goes to the piano and, and the ending of the movie, like, oh, goodness gracious. And, but I'm actually into most of what it does, like yeah. the way that it functions in the scenes. And there's some action-y stuff, but the action-y stuff that I feel like has a different rhythm. And I don't mean rhythm uh, tempo. I just mean a different feel yeah. than, than other, thing, other action scenes. Um, and, you know, I wanted to read one quick thing because my, my wife got me this score a long time ago because she, she knew how much I loved it. But there's a really cool thing in the liner notes, and then I'll shut up and let these two talk about whatever <laughs> theirs is. But... He talks about how he, uh, it's Christopher Nolan in the liner notes, and he says he warned Hans Zimmer about the demands that Inception would put on its score, that it would be so important to orient the audience emotionally, geographically, and temporally. Um, and he says like a structural maze of shifting tempos, just like you guys are talking about, that made your head hurt just to hear Hans try to and articulate its ambition. He throws around, Hans throws around concepts and ideas without practical restraint just to see where the process might lead. Um, but then Hans Zimmer calls him on the phone and says, I, th I think I might have something, but I'm not sure. He plays a simple series of piano notes, breaking any mood as he swears at fumbling the best bit, then picks up the phone and says, was that too abstract for you to get it? Of course it was. I sense evasion. I ask him to play it again on long string samples so I have a chance to actually grasp the melody. He fumbles the phone down, plays the same simple notes, and this time I hear it. This time I get a strange lump in my throat. He comes back on the line. That's all I got and I can't figure out where it goes from here. I picture Hans sitting in front of his keyboard, fingers stuck fast on those same notes, frustrated, not believing it could be that simple. My immediate thought was, it doesn't go anywhere. It's already there. I don't know if I actually said that to Hans, but I do know that when I hung up the phone, I said to Lee as casually as I could, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I'm sure it was time. Um, but anyway, uh, I didn't want it to be number one because for me it seemed too obvious uh, and too, too on brand. Um, but yeah, I just, when I listen to that score, there's a transportation that happens. unlike uh, any other Hans Zimmer score that I listen to. So that was my number one. All right. Almost like reconsidering, like, I'm just kidding. Inception's my number one. Like, <laughs> well, let's hear your number one. I, okay. I wonder if my theory might hold. Should we count to three and say it's <laughs> no, Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> All right. That would I, be hilarious. Though, I am please. interested to hear. So my number one. And Inception might have been a surprise. It was so low for everyone who knows me. For anyone else who knows me at all, even a little bit, it won't come as any surprise. My number one is Interstellar. That is what I expected. Which, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens we'll over see here. What happens, but yes, yeah, so Interstellar. So now that we're here, you know, I didn't want to say it before because I didn't want to spoil or give anything away. I felt bad almost that I looked at my top five and I said, four out of these five movies are directed by Christopher Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> I like, felt bad They about have a good it. collaboration, though. But they have they a do. great, yeah, they really are on the same wavelength. They do, and when I put different movies in there and I looked at the ones that were being left out and I said, I just can't. I said, so even though, yes, these ones are all by the same director, I stand by, like, that was 100% um, with what's happened. So, Interstellar. I feel like the reason that I had Interstellar as my number one is that the movie is so moving the whole time. If I think about Interstellar, there's obviously, there's one theme, you know, that comes to mind, and it's just those simple organ notes that are just by themselves. But I feel like the movie changes so much, and it's a long movie, but there's so much score, and there's so much that's different about it that it moves it in the different places that it needs to. Um, one of my favorite, you know, things that I've ever seen is I looked up, and I tried to find it, and I couldn't. But a while ago, when I had first seen Interstellar, I looked up a YouTube video 
about you know Hans Zimmer had the score and everything, but then they reached out to this guy who he plays the organ really well. It's on well. YouTube. I showed it to my film lit class oh, last you did? year. Yeah. Really? Oh, they show gosh. the organ that he plays it yes, on. Yes, it's stuff. in this old chapel, you know, I think it's in Europe somewhere. Super cool. Super amazing. And they're just in there, you know, with the recording. And obviously, so Hans isn't the one who's playing it, but he wrote all the music because it's just this amazing man who's playing it. And when he plays it, it's just so magical because you have the times where it's just so quiet and it's haunting and then you have the times that it's fast paced and moving one of the parts that i think of is at the end when he makes you know the realizations where he is and he's moving fast through you know that place is that he has it all going fast it's it's just you know there's other things going on with it behind it but the main feature is that organ and i feel like it just represents space the interstellar traverse so beautifully and it's sort of you know like you guys mentioned before it is really atmospheric but i feel like i've watched a lot of movies and i've listened to how they present space. I really like the way that gravity presents space. You know, Alfonso Cuaron, shout out to Kaylee Duke, obviously her favorite movie ever. Yeah, that's a, that is a good score too, by the it way. It is, but... Um, and so I really like it, just like, you know, the emptiness and stuff. I feel like even if it didn't, you know, capture the emptiness, I feel like Interstellar, just like the atmosphere that it provides sort of was our take on space. You know, the mystery, the nice. unknown, everything that goes along with that, that... It really, like, you look at it and it just feels so gentle. And also at the same time, when there's a lot of times I heard bad things about it. I heard, um, obviously, there's there's a YouTube series I watch. You know, a lot of people watch, you know, Everything Wrong With. Oh, yeah. And I watch Everything Wrong With Interstellar. And they say, it sounds like Hans Zimmer fell asleep on his keyboard. <laughs> and I just, I hated that. Jake I rolled his was... eyes. I really should have that BD. <laughs> The, uh, like, a uh, uh, gift that, that we put for this podcast uh, thing is just that. Just, uh, oh, I was so angry. Don't sell it short. I was so angry when I'm they said that. probably about to talk about it. Because it's that moment when they, they get on the endurance, you know, when they're first leaving. And I might talk a little bit longer about this one. Sorry, listeners, but it's the number one, so. Yeah, I mean, you made it. Not if you're sorry. listening at an hour 23, <laughs> like, you're here to finish. <laughs> so just go with that. I mean, whatever. If you have to finish it later, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But so, Yoshi knows. <laughs> I know. Trust me. This is what I do at work. Right? <laughs> so I'm doing my spreadsheets. It's, it's what I'm doing. So, so right when they have the endurance and it's taking off, leaving Earth. Um, and they have Michael Caine reciting the poem, Do Not Go Gently to That Good Night. Gosh, it's so beautiful. I yeah, love yeah. that in this movie. But anyways, with that, and it just shows them beginning this expedition, and it hits this chord that's just beautiful and magnificent on that organ, and it just rises so beautifully, almost to like a point where people might say it's too loud, but I just think that it's so, you know, this has never been done before, so it has to go to new levels, so I think that it's really, you know, smart to do it that big, and then just hits it and fades off, and I just think, gosh, it's lovely. It's so beautiful, perfect. And then one last scene is... One of my favorite scenes, like, of any movies is the docking scene, which, if you haven't seen it, gosh, see Interstellar, man, come <laughs> on. But the docking scene in Interstellar is one of my favorite movies of all time just because it's so intense, and the music matches it perfectly, like, bit for bit. Because, you know, it's almost not there, you know, when, like, the inciting incident to that scene happens. Yeah. But then as, you know, he moves towards it, you just hear, like, the music building up, and it starts... And then when you realize what they have to do, it starts on that main, that dun, dun, dun. It just starts on everything, and it's just so perfect. And it just grows. And I can't even describe it, because that's where it's not just the organ anymore. It's the full orchestra. But you just have these huge notes, which, you know, people love melodies and intricate rhythms and stuff. But when it comes down to it, when you want a huge moment, it's best to stick to the basics 
and make it big. So what it has is it has huge notes of the entire orchestra hitting on, so it's just quarter notes, it's on the first beat and then the fourth. So it goes four one, four one, four one. So it just goes, and it's in an ascending pattern. So when it's just like, and it just keeps getting bigger the whole time. Ah. Awesome. I just love it so much. Anyway, so no, Interstellar is my number one, and and I don't know what Jake's yes. is. It would be somewhat fitting, and and I don't want it to be anticlimactic if it's different or if it's the same. But like, I really do feel like these guys have a better grasp on like the like. I mean, you hear Yoshi talking about like knowing the notes and and, and things like that, and so like it's. I mean, it it would be somewhat fitting if you guys were had the same <laughs> top three. Because no, I'm just it. over here talking about some of the, you know, things I don't, you know, and the emo and stuff, but you, know, you guys appreciate it, I think, on a better level, which is cool, which is why I love the collaboration of this podcast, I would regardless like it. of if it's number one. I would like it, but I would also find it very interesting if it was something else. Not because I'm like, why is it not there? But <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to know. What like, would be the other one? Because we, I don't know what else is there. What yeah, it is, if so. I was trying to trick you guys with my <laughs> disapproval of the Boss Baby score. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, that would be the greatest moment maybe ever on the Road Go Tours podcast. And my number one, as everyone explained, is Boss Baby. Like, what? <laughs> no, but really it is. It is, and here's why. Uh, no, it is Interstellar. Um, which is not only my favorite uh, Hans Zimmer score, but uh, honestly one of my favorite albums released in, I guess it was 2014, right? Uh, that that movie came out. Uh, to me, that score functions completely on its own as like a piece of music from start to finish. Uh, which isn't, uh, I didn't, I meant to get into this when we were like talking about scores at the beginning, but, uh, I, uh, preparing for this podcast, I did have, uh, basically the same question as that museum thing we talked about, the Beth, like the Bethany question, oh, um, yeah. about yeah, yeah, cinematography, yeah. like if it, the element that we're talking about, if it should be treated as its own thing, right? Are we judging just that thing or are we judging how it contributes to the movie as well? Right, right. And overall, I've I've made my decisions based on how the scores contribute to the movie. But Interstellar, not only does it contribute immensely to uh, the movie, the score, um, but I feel like it does stand on its own and it is a a piece of music that I'm happy to listen to with or without the movie. Uh, It's just so crazy. Like... Uh, Yoshi said that the organ is so fitting for space and like in some ways it is but in some ways it seems so crazy to like to tie this movie together where like we're in a cornfield and then we're on like a tsunami planet um, and then we're trying to dock the thing or whatever Uh, and it's like uh, all grounded by this organ and like somehow it all feels cohesive and I I do think a lot of the uh, atmosphere of the movie comes from the score Um, and it's such an interesting choice because they could have done you know, it, the melodies themselves are really awesome. The The way the different parts work together is awesome. They could have done that with, like, a regular old symphony, but I love the choice to make it an organ-focused um, score. I uh, And I think it really shows Hans Zimmer's versatility that, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe he kind of has the sound overall from score to score, maybe not as much as other composers, but I think the Interstellar score shows that it's like, no, he's going to do, like, whatever type of music he needs to do for the movie like movies don't get Hans Zimmerfied you know what I mean it's like he'll come in and, and make it something unique uh for that movie it's not just a, a mold that he applies to whatever movie he's he's working on um so I love it um and like I said it, it works like an album and there's that main theme that I think most people would probably recognize that first of all is like very unique like 
the chord progression itself, I don't feel like I've really heard it in other places. It, it probably exists, but um, if you don't, if you're not super in the, the way music is made and you don't know what a chord progression is, basically a lot of music has the same. The way the chords change is the same in a lot of music, but uh, in Interstellar, to me, it feels at least unique the way, I don't know, that it's done. Uh, it's at least done in a way that makes me think it's it's unique, even if it's not. Um, mm. So uh, I love that about it. It's so satisfying the way that it changes to some of those faster sections, and then it'll sink back into what's basically a chorus. It's like the, the main theme of the movie, but uh, bringing back the familiarity in some really satisfying spots of the movie and in the score itself. It's just, it's my fave. Nice. Love listening to you guys talk about it. Didn't we see Interstellar in the same theater? We did. Yeah, she, yeah many years ago. Same and, 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 and a coincidence. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and man, I, I know some of you listen a lot. We'd love to hear via Facebook or Twitter at Rogo Tours if you have some favorite scores by Hans Zimmer or otherwise. One of the, one, one of the podcast episodes Jake and I want to do is our favorite scores soonish. Um, maybe not next or next since we just did this one, but soonish. Um, and this has been good for me, too, to kind of listen to you guys talk about some of the cool things that they do. Um, other ones that we, we're thinking of having coming up, we're, we're planning a, an episode based solely, a little roundtable, actually, with multiple guests talking about Almost Famous, um, Cameron Crowe's um, very famous, sorry for using that word again, um, <laughs> musical drama. Um, and then ranking Alfonso Cuaron, because Roma comes out uh, on Netflix, actually, yeah, too. until December. Very weird. Oh, not till December on yeah. Netflix? Okay, we'll probably do that in December. Um, and then Jason Reitman, that's not till November probably right. either, right? So, yeah. We'll and we're also looking at, yeah, we'll have some space fill if you have some other ideas. We're looking at doing some of our, our favorite animated movies of all time as well. Um, and maybe reviewing some movies that are coming out into theaters. So thanks for listening and, and let us know what you want to do. And if you are out there listening a lot and you're like, I want a guest on the podcast, like we're it's totally open to that. Like we, we have fun getting especially new voices like Yoshi and Marcus last week because we know that uh, a lot of you have a lot to offer and it, and it adds another voice other than just, just, you know, me and Jake or just me talking over Jake or whatever. Um, so me, it's, it's totally worth it because Marcus and I actually work at the same place and there was one day I was listening to the podcast at work and then I was going to the bathroom and I passed Marcus and I was like, Marcus, this podcast is great. <laughs> he was like listening to it and I'm like, dude, they're so funny. I'm going to look so bad on it. Like all these other things, but trust me, if you want to do it. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's yeah, worth yeah. it. It's really yeah, fun. shoot us a message. So thanks. Yeah, thanks for listening to it. Uh, listening to this. Have a great day and we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> oh no. It like disappeared right there. <laughs> what is happening?